highest for water and they gave me gin. Passed out on the finish line, said we got to the end. Hello and welcome to the April 15th episode of Ask the Property Pros. This week's episode is brought to you by Lighthouse Home Inspections and the Ask Adam team of William Ravis Bear McIntosh. This podcast is available on the Anchor app as well as the Apple Podcast app. Just ask Siri to play the podcast Ask the Property Pros. I am Matt Maroney, and I'm here with my co-host, Brett Thompson. We got some great responses and great questions in since last week's episode, and we'll be back in just a few seconds to go into Q&A. Hey, everyone. We're back with Q&A. Our first question comes from Marilyn from New Jersey. Uh, she reached out to me. She's getting ready to put her house on the market, uh, but she's a big animal person. She's got a lot of pets, right? She's got four dogs and two cats. Actually, some fish as well. It's like a petting zoo. <laughs> but we don't really have to get into the fish. They're, they're not going to bother anyone. So how do you put your home on the market with that many pets or, or pets in general? We, we can talk about whether it's two dogs. I mean... Clearly, it's a little bit more complicated when you have four and two cats. Um, I'm dealing with a listing right now that I have. They're, the homeowner has two large dogs, a German Shepherd and a Boxer uh, Lab, St. Bernard, and some kind of mix. But they're both very large dogs. And what we've been doing, and it's been fine, is we crate them in the basement whenever we have a showing. If there's an open house, same thing. When I had an inspector come through, no big deal. Are they yappy? Is it disruptive? Sure. But it is what it is. People understand. People have pets. And it's not not a huge deal. As an inspector, I've been on more than one job where, where there's animal issues, where a cat gets out of the house. I mean, you definitely want to protect not only your buyer, but, you know, the inspectors, your animals, the appraiser, whoever's coming into your house. You want to let them know in advance that you have an animal and, and how it's going to be handled. Right. You need to have that in writing everywhere. You need to make sure your agent who's marketing your property has it clearly written on every piece of advertising. There are several large dogs. There are two cats. You need to contact us. We need advance notice to prepare for the showing. Right. People uh, are allergic. People are afraid. You don't want to catch people off guard. It's easy to have people come into a situation where they know what they're dealing with. Uh, then they're being caught off guard. Right. So basically, you've got to create the dogs. If the cats are your typical cat that'll just be afraid of people walking around the house and will be hiding under the bed, then that shouldn't be an issue. If it's one of these cats, I mean, I have one that tries to get out of the house. If it's one of those, then you're probably going to have to uh, isolate that as well. Especially when there's an inspector there going to be opening doors and windows, going in and out. You, you don't want to be chasing during a during an inspection, chasing an animal. Right. So there, there's your answer. Isolate them and give everyone notice. You also want to make sure you have an agent listing it that is very comfortable dealing with your pets. All right, guys. We'll be uh, right back with our next question.
Okay, we are back. Uh, we have a couple of questions that came in this week that have very similar answers. Um, we had a couple of people ask us what the first steps you should take when looking to buy a house are. And we had somebody ask what the biggest mistake we see people making is. And the answer is the same thing. You have to surround yourself with the most qualified people you have available to you. There is a whole spectrum of agents and inspectors, brokers, uh, uh, attorneys. Or, right, right. And you don't want to be in a situation where you don't have the best available to you. Um, the most qualified agent. This is the biggest investment of your life. So you don't want, you know, your your cousin's best friend who just started doing it because she said she'll give you some money back. She'll save you $10. This is the biggest investment ever. You don't want to trust a home inspector whose entire list of qualifications is that they used to be a real estate agent. And there's several inspectors out there who, and that's, that's all they have. They say, oh, I used to sell houses and now I'm a home inspector. Right. And, you know, would you, would you go to a car salesman because your engine's making a funny noise? You wouldn't do that. You want somebody who is supremely qualified. A real estate transaction, I mean, it could almost be like a chess match at times. People bluff. They say, I have other buyers on the line. People pull all kinds of stunts. And you want somebody who's versed. You want somebody who knows the local market. You want somebody... You want your inspector to be an expert when it comes to safety issues. Some Selling houses does not qualify you to identify safety hazards in an electrical system. It does not qualify you to identify cross connections in a home. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there. And the first step you should take is to surround yourself with a qualified team of people. Make a list. Right. Make a yeah, list of, of who you want working with you. Absolutely. You know, there are two people that you, you might have touched on, but are key players as well. If you're not buying cash, you need to have an incredible mortgage company. Not I mean, A lot of them will say, oh, the rate is 4.5%, or you want to buy down the points, and, and it's going to be the same no matter who you call, you know, give or take. But when you need an answer, or you need them to get in touch with your attorney, because the commitment letter was due yesterday and the deal's about to fall apart and you can't get anyone on the phone. They won't return your emails because you're just one you know, file on their assistance desk, right? That's awful. And your attorney, just like Matt mentioned, oh, you don't want an agent, oh, you know, my cousin, whoever, she works at Macy's, but she's trying to do this on the side, she's available on the weekends, oh, you should use her. The same thing goes for attorneys. Oh, my my brother-in-law is an attorney, he's really a PI guy, and but, what, but what, I'm sure he can handle it. Oh, but, but right. then he's uh, dealing with his big personal injury issue, and also, he's, in, he's in court. And he's not getting back to you. Also, what I mean, it's something that you only do once or twice in your life. So people take, you know, when you when when somebody says, "Oh, my cousin's an attorney," people tend to just be like, "Oh, okay," like it's not a big deal. And the people you surround yourself with in that transaction is everything. It is the deal that you're going to get. I mean, I mean, you should not just be going off of, "Oh, somebody said use this person." You should you should investigate who your team is going to be if you want the best out of your deal. If you want to buy something and know what you're getting and, and be in a safe, comfortable situation financially and safety-wise, you really that that is the answer. The first step to buying a house is making sure you have a solid team around you. Yep. 
And I'm all about getting a personal referral from someone you trust. Like, you know, it totally makes sense. However, call up that person. Have, you know, Google top questions when interviewing a realtor or when interviewing an attorney or a mortgage company. They're readily available. Interview them. This is a huge, huge deal. And like Matt pointed out, and I've been involved with hundreds of transactions, I've seen a, 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 an attorney or an inspector or an agent who just is not on top of their game just destroy deals. And it's, it's, uh, it's just terrible. Right. One of the things I come across, I come across two different things as an inspector. I come across people who say, oh, my inspector didn't find anything. And they're, they're really upset about the deal and, and the situation they ended up in. They're in a situation they didn't expect these things to be wrong. Um, and the other thing I see is, is people who have an inexperienced inspector who sees something and makes a big deal out of something that financially shouldn't be a big deal at all. I mean, a, a couple of hundred thousand, a couple of hundred dollars or a thousand or two dollars thing that needs to be corrected is not a deal breaker. You know, people look at a roof and say, oh, the roof needs to be replaced. And that's a way bigger job than some of the things that an inexperienced inspector tends to make a huge issue out of. And that could push the deal to another buyer, you could lose the house that you want over the way somebody words something due to lack of experience. Yep, and I've been on inspections with guys that I trust and I'm always there and I'm walking through the house and if they're like, you know what, that roof, you might get another two years out of it. I'm there to say, hey, but you remember that comp I showed you two blocks over? Even if you put 10 grand into this in two years, you're gonna be ahead of the game. And then when you sell it in 10 years, you're gonna have a new roof on there. All right, guys, we will be right back with our next segment. Okay, guys, we are back with our segment we call Adventures from the Field. We have a guest with us today, uh, my brother-in-law, Mr. Michael Reiner. And uh, we're going to talk about some of his experiences through the process of buying a, uh, a fixer-upper and uh, some of the things that he's gone through, some some advice for people who are thinking about buying a fixer-upper. And, uh, yeah, let's see how this goes. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so when did you close on your house? Uh, over a year ago. So, well, <laughs> over, I don't know how long. I'm going to say well over a year ago. It's what, March? It's April, middle of April, almost May, so... Close on the house, end of March, 2017. So, and what were your expectations closing on the house as far as a move-in date? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, originally. Originally, we were like, oh, we'll be done by September 2017. And it was end of December 2017. And it's now April 15th, <laughs> yeah, 2018. And, so. what is, and, and you haven't moved in yet, right? For, for the record, you still don't live there. Correct. So, <laughs> paid a lot of taxes for yeah. something you're not living in. Um, what, what have some of the holdups in that whole process been? Uh, the first part was getting an architect. So, that took about, give or take, we started in March. I don't think we had an architect meeting till June. This also came back into going into something, our last segment, this is kind of perfect, because we were just talking about having a qualified team of people around you um, going into it, and the biggest mistake people make, and their architect, just finding someone that was responding to them and being punctual, they, I mean, you waited months for plans. Correct. 
Wait, so you clo you began looking for an architect in March and didn't actually start doing anything until June? Give or take. Yeah, by the time they got plans back that were stamped and approved, not only that, the plans came back and were not approved several yeah, it was, times. It was, that was, we met in June and for the first drawings. <laughs> there wasn't even like plans at that point. We didn't start, I don't know, fast forward, we got wow. plans and construction started the date, like the last day of 2017. So we didn't get plans and signs and wow. permits till... December 2017. So, for like, so we nine, started, like nine months after closing, yeah. you like started working on the house. We sat on the house, yeah. But, yeah meanwhile, I, I'm pretty sure his wife want, wanted to kill him yeah. and everybody else, right? Um, he probably wanted to kill some people. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty impressive. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Less than stellar. <laughs> and then what, what was it like starting construction? It was awesome. First day was like, thought we were going to be done in like four weeks and then quickly realized, well, it's going to be more, I think March 15th or April 15th, I think was the original, I think we got like a March 15th expected completion date. We're a month. We're a month. We're a month, we're a month, we're a month out. Yeah. yeah. So, a month past that past date. That. Right. And what are the things that aren't still done in that house? Uh... Well, a lot of things just got done tonight. So, That's good. Uh, That's good. Just, Are you done painting? Uh, no, we've got to go retouch up everything and probably have to retouch up again when the floor guy inevitably fucks up my house again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you had a good floor guy. Yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> I was, did everything from A to Z wrong with him. Um so some of the things that come into play when you're going to run a construction project is having a construction manager or somebody who can organize the steps and the order at which what contractor is going to come in and who's going to have what responsibility. Right. Um, you know, when you're on a successful contracting site, someone, someone, you know who's in charge. You know what the order of operations are. You know who is allotted what time period to do their job. And it's very organized. With my with my place, and I bought a total fixer-upper, <laughs> That is my biggest regret, not having <laughs> one point of reference, like one contractor in charge of all the subs. Like, hey, I trust you. You let me know what you need from me and just take care of it. Because I spent months just trying to keep track of crews and I'm making sure that nobody's stepping on, you know. Right, well, also, you, you know, when you, when you don't have someone doing that, you can end up doing stuff like, you know, finish work and painting before your flooring guy shows up to run a sander through the sheetrock. <laughs> exactly. That would be problematic if I had done that. Right. <laughs> right. Or the plumber could show up one day before moving in and tell you that it's leaking. Yeah. You know? So a qualified team of people surrounding you is uh, pretty important. Oh, it's clutch. <laughs> You're setting yourself up for like a crazy battle. It also, you know, it has a lot to do with how handy you are. If you're going to buy a house that needs work you know and you've never done construction work before you should be either ready to learn or ready to wait or, <laughs> or both ready to pay, pay. Yeah, ready yeah. to pay what about that what about what is what is your you know happen to your budget over the course of that year you know what did you expect to spend on the project versus where you're at i mean so the my main contractor has kept me like on what he he said so the problem was not having a qualified team knowing what it would cost for flooring, knowing what it would cost for, I can't remember else now, like 
baseboard or crown molding and other things like that. Like Right. So if the contractor's only giving you a quote for what he's covering, right. but nobody's managing the project to tell you what he's not covering, you're not accounting for... No, he was for, letting me know, like, hey, that's not me. And then, <laughs> that's somebody yeah. else. But, like, as it's happening, like, in real time, right. like, oh, by the way, I'm right. not doing that. Right. Well, he gave me... It, it, my, my guy that used there, I couldn't, couldn't recommend more. He, he kept it all above board on what I needed to go outsource for. But it's, right. like, the finishing touches that I wasn't prepared for, like, baseboard and crown molding and finding uh, a professional to do that or learning how to do it myself. And, and what about stress levels through this project? How's that been? Uh... Yeah, just remember your pressure points. Usa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's been all right. It's through the roof. I, I haven't been on blood pressure medication, but I probably should be at this point <laughs> from this project. No, but Matt, you brought up a great point because when, when, I, when I went into it, I thought, okay, we've got these four or five giant projects and I've got a crew to do each one. But then, you know, installing the doors and patching up after the electric was done, there were just things coming up left and right that I didn't, I didn't account for. Right. And the general contractor or a friend would be like, that's not a big deal. That was like the line. Yeah. That's not a big, oh, that's not a big deal. And what I, what I came to find out, all those not right, a big right, deals. Right, 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 right. A lot of money. Right, right, that means like, under a grand or around a grand. When it's like when it happens, like left, not a big deal, not a big deal. Not, I'm like, oh my god, this is a huge deal. Like I need another fifteen thousand well, dollars. I mean, having an electrical company, I have this happen all the time. Where when somebody's not managing the project, they'll say, okay, I want eight lights, four switches, two home runs, and a, a new line for a microwave, and I give them a price for the things that they ask me for. And then I get to the house, and nobody's been managing this project. You find out, well, they, they want all the devices changed. They want new lights at the bedrooms. They want, uh, you know, the service ends up getting changed. Before you know it, they're, they want double what they've accounted for in their budget. And they're like, they're doing that not only with the electric, but with the plumbing. So I guess the moral of this whole story really is uh, you want somebody who's experienced to, to be in charge of all of the people. Someone who's right. heading the job the whole show. and really knows what they're doing. It'll save you a lot of money. In the long run, to pay that person. Right. And a lot of stress, right? Yeah, a lot of headaches. And, like, and a lot of painted clothes. That's right. That's right. All right, guys, we're going to tune out. We'll be back in a little bit. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for checking out our podcast. All right, guys, we will be back next Sunday. Uh, send your questions for next week uh, to email thepropertypros at gmail.com or you could send a message to our Facebook page at uh, Ask the Property Pros Podcast. Podcast, yes. All right, guys. Thank you. See you next week. Later.